0: So it's exciting every time we get the chance to look into the Word of God and speak about the Holy Spirit because it's an opportunity for His power to come through on earth today through us. And what I want to look at tonight is um, how Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit when Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit he's called him the Spirit of Truth and I'm looking in John chapter 14 and the setting here is in the previous account Jesus is telling his disciples these men that he's uh, lived with basically for three years. He's telling them, I'll be with you just a little while longer. You'll seek me, but you won't find me. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So it's a disturbing time for them. But in the 14th chapter, in the beginning, he says, let not your heart be troubled. And the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And further on, in verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So there's a lot in there in that we sometimes feel alone. But the answer is that God has given us His Spirit to lead us into the truth. Just as Jesus is the truth, the Holy Spirit will show us Jesus. And that is very comforting knowing the truth has a settling effect in our lives as Jesus said let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you he'll show you me he'll remind you and he'll teach you and he'll guide you you're not alone I'm not leaving you as orphans. God is not leaving you as an orphan. So let's just believe tonight that God will show us himself the truth to stabilize us, to strengthen us, and to empower us. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word which is truth, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you that you have sent your Spirit to dwell in us and teach us your ways. The first thing that comes to mind in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 are three of his manifestations, how he appears to us, is by words of knowledge, telling us something we don't know. The second, another one, is words of wisdom, how to apply that knowledge, what to do. What do I do now, Lord? What do I need to know, Lord? This situation that's going on around me. And, Another one is discerning of spirits to know what's really going on. Now, Jesus made a statement in um, Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus was always teaching. He was always revealing the truth just as he does by the Holy Spirit to us in this day. And this chapter 16 in Matthew begins this way. The Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing Jesus, asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it's evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Jesus was pointing them to a direction. You cannot go by your senses. That's not a complete knowledge. And as we're trained in this world, we're... Perceiving things, what we see, what we hear, what people tell us. We're trying to perceive through the senses. But Jesus is saying there's more than that. They were missing it. They were missing what was really going on. They were missing Jesus. An outward sign is not always reliable. That's why we have the Holy Spirit within us to teach us just as those examples that John and Priscilla shared about the sickness, that that wasn't really the way it was supposed to be. Sickness, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. That is not the reality when a sickness manifests, when any kind of trouble manifests. That's not the truth of God. God wants better for us and we can find what He, His will is for us, what He wants for us right in here. And the Holy Spirit helps and shows us where to find it, how to do it. What, what do we need to know here, Lord? What do I need to do? What do I do now? And help me discern, is this God? Is this the, the enemy? Is this the devil himself doing this to me? And um, there's examples that I like to look at um, where men of God written in the Bible literally perceived from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit what was going on. The first example is Jesus himself in Luke chapter 4, he was in Nazareth in verse 16, his hometown where he was brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he said to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus found who he was in the book of Isaiah. And he said, It's fulfilled now. We're right here. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He couldn't perceive that from anything around him, but he found his place. In the word of God, he was quoting from the book of Isaiah, which was a thousand years before it was written. And he so from the word of God and enlivened by the Holy Spirit, he knew exactly where he was. He knew exactly what he was to do at that point. Uh, Peter recognized the same thing. At the beginning in the book of Acts, where they were all gathered and the Holy Spirit fell upon them with fire and wind. And the people, let's look at that in Acts chapter 2, in the first few verses, um, they were all in that place, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, when this sound occurred, the whole multitude was confused. What's going on here? These, are these people drunk? Are they crazy? They're speaking in different languages. There were foreigners in town that spoke other languages, and they heard their native tongue coming from these people. But Peter, standing up in verse 14, said, Men and men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that the Spirit of God was being poured out. See, Peter was observing this, but he knew from the Word of God written in Joel, this was what God was going to do. And this was what God was doing right at that moment in Peter's life. And for that time, this is where he found it. He found it in the book of Joel. And then later, as, he, as this is progressing in chapter 4, or actually chapter 3, he's explaining because there was turmoil in the whole city of Jerusalem. People were coming to the Lord. This was a very dramatic thing. Thousands getting saved a day when these men preached and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And there were questions being asked, and Peter told them in uh, verse 18, those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Peter was telling him, this is what's going on. These things that the prophets foretold it's happening right now. God is refreshing the whole earth and restoring things to the way that they're supposed to be. That's what's going on here. He's doing it because of what Jesus did, and this is what he's pouring out, his spirit, to make things the way they're supposed to be. So Peter recognized it from right there, From the Bible. There's uh, an example in the Old Testament. uh, In the life of Daniel. In chapter 9. Where Daniel was reading the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. And he understood what was going on in that time. Because he saw it. This is what's going on. And then he went and prayed to God for wisdom as to what to do. Prayed to God for the whole nation of Israel. But he wouldn't have known unless he found his place. So it's important for us not to be looking at things going on in the world. To try to figure out what to do. To try to gain knowledge. We we can find the true knowledge, the truth of what's going on here. Or we may miss it. We would miss these times of restoration that God has planned from the beginning. And we are living in a time which is... I think the greatest catastrophe that that has ever happened when God created man and woman and created the whole earth, the perfect place to live, and then the enemy came in and deceived the man and woman, and man fell from that standing, causing the whole creation to be in turmoil. That's a catastrophe what happened there in the garden. And we're still recovering from that. Jesus came to allow us to die for our sins so that we could again be children of God, but there's more work to be done by the Holy Spirit to restore everything completely. And there's a lot of people that need to know about that. It's the age of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and teaches us about how to restore the corrupt world. In fact, in Romans it talks about the whole creation groans in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed so this restoration can be complete. That's the times we're in right now. Now, there's we can find, the Holy Spirit wants us to find ourselves in the Bible, and we can do that. We are, every time it says you are, if we look in the book of Ephesians, and it says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's you and that's me. Every time it says you are righteous in Christ Jesus, that's you and that's me. And that's where we can find the truth. That is the truth. God is who he says he is in here he can do what he says he can do in here and so it is with us we are who god says we are we can do who got what god says we can do this is the truth not the things that you hear in the world where you're worthless you're this you screwed up you're No, this is who we are. This is the truth. Now, I'm going to give an example of how this worked through in my life. It's just an example. Um, Some years ago, uh, I was reading in John chapter 14, this chapter that we're looking at tonight. At the time... Sandy and I were living in Allentown and I was seeking. I was, it was late one night and I was reading through this chapter that we just looked at of how Jesus had sent the Holy Spirit so that we would not be alone and that he would teach me and guide me. And at the very end of that chapter, this word came to life. I was, focused on understanding the Holy Spirit and how He worked. And that last phrase, arise, let us go from here, at 10 o'clock at night, or something like that. But the Spirit of God was quickening to me, arise, let us go from here. Now, who would ever, I've never heard anyone preach on that. But I soon figured out I was to go somewhere. I was going to learn something. So I got in my car and felt like I was supposed to go to my hometown, which is only five or six miles away, and God brought me to this, to the place not far from where I grew up in, in the little town. We lived outside of the town, um, and it was the church where I had gone when I was a little boy and all the way up through. One of the fond memories I have of that church was that in the front, on, in the pulpit area on the back wall, was a huge life-size mural painted on the wall, Jesus the shepherd with a flock of sheep around him. And he was holding one sheep. I think it's pretty common. I've seen it in other churches. And I remembered taking great comfort in that. In the times when I was at church, I would just gaze at that and it brought me peace and comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. So I had that memory. Across the street in the same block was my grade school where I went to school. And the Lord was showing me, was revealing thoughts that I had when I was a small child growing up first, second, third, fourth grade of things that I never expressed to anyone. And he was showing me he was there. He said, that teacher that encouraged you, I put her there. I put her there to encourage you. See, I had these unreasonable fears when I was a child. I always did good in school, A's and B's, that kind of thing. But I had a fear every time I had to change. When I graduated first grade, I was afraid I wasn't going to make it in second grade. It was a whole different thing. And it didn't matter if I had success before, but it would bother me. I never told anyone about that. But the Lord said, See, that didn't have to be there. I had someone there. That teacher encouraged you. So this is like he's reading my mail. He's showing me that he's with me. Small town, right behind the church, back across the street again, and Sandy knows this well, were the playgrounds for the church and the school and the ball fields where we I played little league baseball and the same kind of thing. I had a coach, my first baseball coach, who was a quiet, encouraging kind of man. God showed me, I put him there to encourage you. I don't know what I would have done if I'd have had another one I might have bailed out of this stuff, you know, but this guy was just an encouraging person that encouraged me. And then, back across, this is all within a blocks area, and was the first apartment that Sandy and I lived in when we got married. And God showed me, you know, you were afraid. You were had, you know, first time with a family and, you know, the responsibilities. But I was right there. Everything worked out. So there was an assurance in me. From that night on, where the Holy Spirit showed me and revealed to me that I was never alone. And i it's the same with all of us. And from that point, those fears of new things have never bothered me. That assurance of God's love it was, it's a foundation. That truth that God revealed to me that night by His Holy Spirit were a foundation for me to build my life on. There was no more fear. I was set free from that. And I don't know if it was that night or sometime shortly after that, I came across Psalm 139, which speaks Just that exact process that God showed me and lived in me that night. In Psalm 139, um, the first few verses are just, God knows everything about me, even my thoughts. Just like He knew my thoughts when I was a small child. And here I was in my 20s, and He's showing me, I was there. In the middle verses from 7 through 12, you can't get away. See, I was not, I had no real knowledge of Jesus. I wasn't saved. But I was still, I couldn't get away from God. God knew my thoughts. He knew my actions. He was there with me. And as this psalm unfolds, the writer explains in verse 13, he's saying, God, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Covered is a word that there's a, a translation in my Bible, and I've been looking at that word. It means to weave or woe or... A braid together. He formed me. He literally formed us in our mother's womb before we, she even existed at the time of creation when he was creating the first man and woman. I believe he created us. He could look down through the ages to each one of us and in verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest places of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also Are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. See, God is so comprehensive that he thought out each of our lives when he was forming us at the time of creation in the beginning. He could see all the way down. There's no accidents. There's no surprises. Everyone that is living or has had life on this earth, God formed them and had precious thoughts. He had time with each one of us individually thinking about us at that time that He was forming us. That's how comprehensive his work is. Now, in Ephesians, it talks about that same thing. He fashioned days for us. He designed days for us. Good days. That they would all be good days. That we can now realize because of what Jesus has done. Setting us free from the sin that we do. We're Free to go. We're righteous to go to God, to receive Him as Father. We're not alone. We're empowered by His Spirit when we receive Him. Ephesians 2 talks about there are good works prepared for us. And that brings me to where I believe we are tonight. If anything could be accomplished, it's In Philippians, the first chapter, and the key verse is in verse 6. We have Paul and Timothy writing to these people in Philippi. And he says, we are confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will... Complete it. That's the truth. Whether we look at that good work being at the time of creation, when God created you, he created a good work. And his desire is to complete it. Another good work that he has done is to reveal Jesus to us as our Lord. And as our Savior, that's a good thing. We're reunited with the Father. We're brought out of the darkness into the light. And it can be when we receive the Holy Spirit to enliven us, to empower us, to teach us more about the truth of Jesus. So the setting for this is, and I'm going to invite John to come forward just to continue this work. Paul and Timothy are writing to all the saints who are in Philippi, the leaders, the deacons, all the saints. See, God's desire is that we all be empowered and so that he can complete a good work, this good work that he started at the time of creation. The good work that he started when he revealed Jesus to us and the time when we receive the Holy Spirit completes that good work and empowers us.